You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Well, hello there, and happy Turd's Day to you. Welcome back to another episode of This Shit Is Real, a podcast within Disability After Dark, where we discover how poo affects you. Let's get comfy, cozy, not constipated and crippled, and get this episode of Shit Is Real, of This Shit Is Real, started, shall we? Friends, this is one of my absolutely most favorite series to do. It's so fun, and I love every week being able to talk about poo the way that I have with the guests that I've had so far on this series. It's so fun. So if you have a poo issue and you want to tell me how poo affects you, please email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com using the subject line, This Shit Is Real, and let me know how poo affects you and come on and be a guest because these conversations, as somebody with gastro stuff myself, these conversations have been really cathartic, really funny, really honest, and I just really appreciate being able to have conversations about poo where normally we wouldn't be able to and normally it would be something we would shy away from, but with this series on this podcast, it is the most fun I've had recording shows in a long time. I really, really enjoy this series, and I want you to be a part of it. So, again, tell me how poo affects you by sending us an email. On the show today, I sit down with my new friend, Emma Hayes, who tells us all about her experience with gastroparesis, the time she was trying to make out with a guy, and she almost threw up in his mouth, and why diarrhea is her rooster, plus so much more. We have such a fun conversation. Emma was such a cool guest, and I really, really enjoyed this one. So um, have fun listening to this brand new episode of This Shit Is Real, right here, a part of Disability After Dark. Enjoy! Emma Hayes, hello. Hello. Hi, well, thank you so much for coming on This Shit Is Real. How are you? I am, this is honestly the highlight of my day. I've been dealing with a whole bunch of like medical shit and appointments and providers. And so I'm thrilled to be here and ignoring all of that and taking the time to talk about shit with someone who gets it. <laughs> I'm so happy because we do have to talk about shit. We, know we don't talk about shit enough. So, I mean, uh, thank you for coming out on this Thursday. Um, it's you're listening to this on Thursday, so that's I always make that really lame joke about how. Do you appreciate the pun? Thursday, yeah, yeah, the poo pun, um, or the poon. I don't know if <laughs> I'm trying to. Be, <laughs> I don't know if that works. Um, so, so before we jump into poo, can you introduce yourself to us? Tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah, my name is Emma Hayes. Um, I wow, what do I do? I have a master's of social work. Um, I focus on like food systems work in that. Um, recently, I was doing operations management for some like a bakery, a cheesecake bakery um, and baking Ooh, professionally. Really nice. Honestly, the best cheesecake I've ever had. Oh, Mr. Leslie's Cheesecakes, Lansing, Michigan. If you're in the area, check them out. Wow, Mr. Um, Leslie Cheesecake, can you send me one? <laughs> Who do I, I get the, the gum? Once we start shipping, I'll let you know. Although you're pretty close, you're just like right across the border, right? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that far away. I could. I could figure out a way to get there. Okay. Okay. 
we'll see what we can make work. Um, yeah, I've been, I've been doing a little bit of freelance writing. I've got an article coming out about um, break, baking with brain fog, how to deal with brain fog in the kitchen. Wow, so um, important. Yeah, it's honestly, so just been figuring out a lot of my health stuff and focusing on that too. And baking a lot. I just bake all day, every day. I mean... I mean, I'll like should give you my address off the air. I'm like, send me things. Please. Our neighbors, I didn't think that people would start turning away baked goods, but apparently our neighbors hit that point. Wow. I would never. You can send me as, as many as you want. I'll be like, yep, great. Thanks. Awesome. Good. Um, so let's, let's get away from baked goods and dive into something less delicious. Uh, let's talk about poo. So I want to learn how poo affects you, Emma Hayes. And so my first question is, uh, what are your gastrointestinal issues and how do they play a role in your day-to-day life? Yeah. So I have a condition called gastroparesis, um, which I think translated means like paralyzed stomach. It's not totally paralyzed, but it basically means that my stomach doesn't um, contract and move in the way that a stomach typically would to digest food. Um, yeah. And it also doesn't send the same like signals to my brain. So I don't get like hunger signals so much. Um, yeah. So that means that let's see, I poop a lot. I have a lot of diarrhea (laughs) usually first thing in the morning. Yep. Um, that's my, that's my rooster in the morning. So it gets me out of bed. Um, (laughs) and then it's gotten better with a low, fiber diet and a low fat diet. Although as a baker, I do that one much less, really stick with the low fiber. (laughs) Um, but before I did that and before the diagnosis and before some meds, um, I was vomiting a lot, usually first thing in the morning, because I now know I'd have a big dinner at night and then I would go to bed and then my stomach wouldn't be able to digest any of that food overnight. So I would wake up and I would just puke it all right back up. Hot. And really so, start my day off on a great note. <laughs> yeah. Sounds really awesome. First thing in the morning, yeah. barf. Great. Awesome. So I'm, I'm past the barfing point, um, unless I have a big gastroparesis flare, which definitely happens, but I'm past the like daily barfing. Um, and now it's really just like bloating, um, having to do the gastroparesis diet. And um, if I stray away from that, which I honestly often do, then <laughs> um Oh goodness, nausea, bloating, cramping, kind of all Isn't of that. It the worst? Then, yeah. 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 Just like all you get you don't get one symptom, one no, GI symptom. Like, you just you get, get like all of four them. Four of them. And they all come yeah. at different points. Like yeah. I have I'm lucky that I don't usually get nausea, but I get cramping like you're having a baby, or mm-hmm. you're gonna your whole bowels are gonna explode in yourself. And I get like cold sweats, hot sweats. Um, yeah. Like you know, the, the dilated breathing. Cause it hurts. So like I get so many different symptoms, but, and it's usually so painful. So I can only imagine that with nausea I would be like, what? Wow. Oh my goodness. I don't know if you have ever puked and shit at the same time, but it is my least favorite experience. <laughs> Truly. I, I haven't. Uh, do you want to share what that's, what that was like for you? Um, I honestly don't know if there are words. Um, it was just, it was a lot. I was not thinking (laughs) at the time, um, actually it's happened multiple times, but 
yeah no just it was painful like oh, yeah, it yeah, hurts to imagine. throw up it hurts to have diarrhea both at the same all time all the same really time sucks. it's like what the fuck is this like what is this yeah. that's <laughs> and so how does all this like just affect you from the day to day like how what is it like yeah so actually on top of my gastroparesis I also have um a connective tissue disorder called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome oh fun um, you're like the millionth person on the show that I've talked to with that so yep cool hello <laughs> um and do they all have pots as well a lot Seems of them, to be that, lot of them yep. that I spoke to yeah yep so I was um like working at that bakery full-time for a while um and then I had a really bad flare last summer and went down to part-time and then eventually quit my job um I'm kind of trying to switch more into the social work like something I can do remotely um because I just I can't be on my like I can't I can't be that physically active all day every day um both like from the EDS but honestly like when you're having diarrhea throughout the day and you're having oh, to step yeah. away from the kitchen and you're exhausted your work you're, and when you're shitting yourself like who wants to make yummy food when you're like I feel gross Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I love the cheesecake, but cheesecake is like the last thing my stomach wants when it's flaring up. Sadly. Cheesecake is, I love cheesecake too, but it is also the last thing my stomach wants ever. And I'm like, but you love it though. It tastes so good. But then, and then 20 minutes later, my tummy's like, oh yeah, I want to see how good it tastes. Here, here you go. Like, mm-hmm. Taste mm, again. <laughs> yeah. It's like not a good, it's not a good thing, but I, but I fully understand what you were saying earlier about like, you know, the diet and wanting to stray from the diet. What is, I was going to ask you, what is the gastroparesis diet? So it's basically, some people describe it as just like bland, which I don't like because I do eat, like, I love to cook. I love food. My diet is pretty fantastic. Like the food I make is pretty fantastic. Um, but it's typically low fiber, low fat. So foods that are like cooked for a long period of time or, um, are like already like pre-digested in some way. So like blended, I do a lot of like blended, like smoothies and things like that. Um, or just foods in their kind of more whole form that have less fiber. Um, I did, oh man, I recently learned that mangoes are really high in fiber because there's a fantastic little, uh, like paletteria down the street and they do mangonadas, which is, mango sorbet with mangoes and like chamoy and tagine oh my goodness and I was having one of those like literally every evening because it's been really hot and just (laughs) having the worst bloating and cramping and diarrhea oh my god and I finally like googled like are mangoes high in fiber yes they are very high in fiber (laughs) damn it google damn it Um, a lot of soft foods but that doesn't mean that it has to be bland foods um yeah but it's basically That's, like the easier things to digest. Yeah, yeah. And so what is something about having gastroparesis that you find disabling that other people who don't have your stomach issue wouldn't understand? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there is the physically disabling, like having to be on the toilet for long periods of time, like not being able to move because I'm so cramped up. I'm in so much pain. Yeah. Um, there's that, but then there's also this whole mental piece around, I have to put so much more thought into what I eat 
And when I eat it, that's another big piece. I have to eat small meals throughout the day. Um, my stomach can't take my stomach. So I can't stretch to accommodate more food. So I can only fit about a cup of food in my stomach at a time. Um, so I, Which, I just kind of graze throughout the day. Well, that's, I mean, I, I know a lot of like people who choose to graze just for fun. So like the fact that's that you, not how my brain works. Yeah. <laughs> I am super neurodivergent. And my brain does not like to remember to go and eat. even if I'm, it's crazy. I'll be in the kitchen baking and I'll forget to like go and eat. Like I'll be standing <laughs> right there in front of my refrigerator and I won't eat all day. Cause I'm just like, so absorbed in what I'm doing. And I, you um, know, it's one of the things you said, I think that people think when we talk about gastro stuff, they think you had a bout of diarrhea or you had a bout of constipation, but I think you talking about the mental piece of it. And all the other stuff around that is really important. Can you elaborate Absolutely. more on that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's the time and energy that it takes to plan your meals, to go and do all of the gastric tests. I mean, often those have like a bunch of prep. You were, so you were talking about doing your first, first colonoscopy in yeah. the first episode. Yeah. Like tests like that, you have prep the day before you have recovery time afterwards. Um, there's the anxiety around doing those tests and engaging with the medical system in that way. Um, oh yeah. The anxiety, the anxiety that I have, I haven't done it yet by the time we record this, I haven't done it. Um, and I, I'm not scared of it because like I've had surgeries, I've had like disability stuff happen to me and I've been fine, but like I am, there is a weird apprehension of like, oh, what if, what if I can't get, for me as a wheelchair user, it's like, what if I can't get care? What if, Mm -hmm. what if I need more help and I can't get it? Like, what if, what if the prep for the test is gross? Like, what if, what if I shit myself? Like, I've literally had my mom standing by to be my caregiver for that, for that two days, because we know that I'm going to be full of shit and there's nothing we can do. Yeah. Yeah. There's, the anticipation is there's so much there that that I think abled folks don't realize what it is to to deal with knowing what is coming or not knowing what's coming honestly yeah <laughs> yeah I had no idea what I was walking into some of the and some of the things that come out of your body you're like well I did not expect that like what oh, came out of there my goodness like wow <laughs> The, sometimes the color and the shape of my poo is like what oh that was in there okay cool great one fun thing about gastroparesis is because I don't digest things if I don't chew it it pretty much comes out the way it went in so like anytime I have corn <laughs> it's just corn kernels my poop is just full of corn kernels same with rice <laughs> like anything that's small small enough for me to swallow without chewing it just comes out the same way. Amazing. So it's I mean, actually really easy to track like, you know, okay, how long is things sitting in my stomach? Well, I had corn two days ago and there it is. And does that help with like, does it, being able to see that stuff, does it help with like pain? And does that help with like being able to track like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had that corn. Maybe I shouldn't have that rice. Um, yes. More so. Um, see, because I have, because food is such a big part of my life and I find so much joy in food and it's so much more than just nourishment for me. Um, I've had to work really hard to not 
make food the enemy in any way. So I really look at it as a balancing game. Um, there are very, very, very few foods that I just don't eat. Um, but I know that if I'm going to eat them, there are other ways in which I'm going to need to balance, whether that's doing liquids for a few days before or after to kind of ease my stomach or whether it's just preparing myself to be in pain and, you know, pulling on the tools that I have there or upping my meds or whatever it is. What are the foods that you, um, that you, uh, wish you could eat, but you can't? Oh, charcuterie boards. Oh my goodness. I like did not realize they're so high in fat and so high in fiber (laughs) because it's a bunch of like raw veggies and then cured meats and cheeses and like all of these delicious fatty things that I love and that messes my stomach up so badly and I Um, love cheese like cheese is my favorite thing Um, me too and I can't do it and it just makes me cry I had cheese at my mom's place like back during Christmas time and I had one little tiny piece of cheese 20 minutes later I was having cramps pain and diarrhea and I was like I didn't even have a whole I didn't even have a whole piece I had literally like a piece of a piece and I was falling over dying that's just like so rude of our bowels I know it's like come on (laughs) come on just give us this one thing cheese what is a food that you can eat that you like? I really love smoothies. I do do a lot of smoothies. Um, and honestly, baked goods are not that bad. Um, they're pretty soft, pretty easy to eat. I've been on a real coffee cake kick recently. That's hard to say. Coffee oh, nice. cake kick. Coffee cake <laughs> kick. Um, yeah, so I really... I really do enjoy what I bake and um, have really learned to love soups and smoothies. <laughs> I I do I do love soup, but I feel like I'm more akin to like a stew. I needed to have some. There needs to be some heft there, otherwise I'm like, oh, just this is broth. Yeah, there needs some sort of textural something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something to feel like you're actually eating something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my partner actually got his, got two of his wisdom teeth pulled la Friday. And we were joking that he is like, he's super lucky. And cause we are the most prepared to be on a diet of soft food. Oh yeah. You're totally ready. That's already what I do. He was eating gourmet this past weekend. Amazing. That's fantastic. And like, so you're, you're ready. If anybody has any tummy stuff, you're the one to go to. Come to uh, me. Do you think. Because you, I know you like to bake, and I know you you work in that world. Do you think that you have or will use your gastrointestinal issues to like make a cookbook around that, or or like make some sort of content for those for those of us who who want to have fancy food but can't? Yeah, so I've thought about it, and one of the hard things is our GI issues are so personal and food is so personal. You know, what's good for me is not good for you. Like what works for my system may not work for your system. Yeah, It's yeah. so individual. Um, so I am really enjoying 
kind of the the things that I've been doing around just making cooking more accessible. I think that if we can just inspire people to get excited about cooking, then um, maybe they can they can bring their own expertise about their body and and their body's needs much better than I could. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is so personal, but I do think if I went into like a Barnes and Noble or like a Kohl's bookstore and I saw a book specifically about IBS cooking and there are a few, but like, uh, you know, or a book about like gastro in the kitchen or gastroparesis in the kitchen. Like I just think more of that stuff, even if it doesn't work for every single person, I think more of that stuff like in our world will show that these, these chronic illnesses and these chronic like diseases are real things and people with these diseases want to have, they want to have good food. They want to have fun. They want to go to parties. They want to cook. They want to like, I think the more we see that representation, the more people will stop being like, Oh, you just have IBS or you just have. Absolutely. Yeah. And maybe I should write a cookbook, but I think you're totally right. And especially I feel that in the world of kind of professional food, you know, the food and beverage and hospitality industry, it's a hugely ableist industry. Oh yeah. Um, and they're just, there are so few disabled people um, who are kind of out there really bringing attention to the ableism in the industry and, and trying to make more space for disabled folks. Um, there's this perception that like, because the way that I eat is altered, I must have some sort of like altered relationship with food or I must hate food. Um, or I just like, I can't engage as deeply or joyfully. And that's bullshit, (laughs) if anything. So I just talked with, um, her name is Loretta. She runs an Instagram account called the nail by mouth foodie. Um, she uses a a gastronasal, oh goodness, I'm going to get this wrong. An NJ tube. Yeah. Um, so she's tube fed. She does not eat orally. Um, and she is a professional chef and recipe developer. And oh my god, get her on the great... I wanna tell her that I'm doing this show. I want to talk to her so badly. Yes, please. You absolutely should. She is wonderful. Um, we had this whole really great conversation about how we have had to think about food so deeply and so creatively that that has really um enhanced our cooking and enhanced our relationship with food. Like she talks about how the visuals and the texture of food are even more important to her now that she's not eating the yeah. food. That like yeah. all of these elements she pays more attention to. And so I I mean there's a lot of shit that I don't like about my my GI issues, but I do um I do have to credit them with like really making me think deeply about about my food and about my relationship to food let's let's jump around to you talked about some of the things you don't like and so one of the questions I want to ask you can you share a moment that was not funny not silly like not light like a really like a dark moment around your gastro issues and share with us kind of how they made you feel yeah um wow so the a few summers back, um, I was like getting ready to move states and start grad school. And I was leaving a long-term relationship and just like going through a big life change. And so I decided to take, um, about a month to go and stay at, um, this little cabin up in Massachusetts that my grandparents have. Um, and I was just 
stand by myself and it was just going to be like me and my dog and we were going to hike and um cook and just like you know yeah (laughs) chill the fuck out before (laughs) jumping into all of these new things um and it was like the second or third day that I was there um and this was pre-diagnosis um so I, I still did not know what was going on, but had been chronically ill for a couple of years. Um, I got really sick. Uh, I could not keep anything down. Um, even liquids were hard to keep down. I was getting really weak. Um, and the nearest like urgent care and hospital was 30, 45 minutes away. Oh, wow. Um, so I drove to the urgent care. They urgent cares rarely do like IV fluids and things like that they just want me to go to the ER yeah yeah of course and so I was sitting in the parking lot on the phone with my mom and just bawling about and oh my gosh I was how old was I I was like 22 at the time (laughs) um 21 maybe um just bawling about a little you were just a little a little baby trying to figure it yeah a little bean trying (laughs) to figure it out yeah um and I was just terrified and I didn't know what to do. And that was, it just like struck me how vulnerable I felt in, in that moment. Um, and like, it ended up okay. I drove to the ER, you know, got home the next day, um, spent most of that trip kind of nursing myself back to health, did not, not even help, do, just like back not to even me. right back to baseline. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, but that since then, I've had a real fear around like traveling by myself or being stuck in a situation where I'm alone and I can't, you know, what if I get sick? What if I have a big flare all of a sudden? Like, what am I going to do? And it's just instilled this anxiety in me that I didn't have before. I traveled for Queer as Folk. congratulations by the way that is so exciting i can't wait I'm to watch it so happy i could finally say it i traveled for chris folk back in january and i had the same anxiety you did of like i haven't left my house in two years i haven't been i haven't left i don't know how i'm gonna fly in a plane what if i poo and like what if what happened i was so nervous and so i totally get that anxiety of like what if I'm not okay? What if I ruin this trip and ruin this opportunity for myself because mm-hmm. my body decides now is the time to poo? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned not leaving your house for the past two years. COVID adds a whole other layer to this. Oh, yeah. I mean, a... The COVID anxiety, but also like the structural, the risks and the lack, lack of structural supports. What was it like when you were in the ER after you had driven from urgent care to the hospital? Did they... Because I know that when I've been in the hospital, they've treated my GI like it was just like, oh, you have this. Don't even worry about it. Take a pill. Go home. Like, did, did, were they kind about it or were they, they dismissive? So that was actually one of the few times that they, I, I got this fantastic, um, he was this older guy. I think he had been a nurse, nurse practitioner for a really long time. Um, and he was, he listened to me and validated me more than most other providers I've seen. Um, He ended up running like some tests that night doing some MRIs with contrast. He thought maybe it was like a, an intestinal hernia. Um, He did 
I think as much as he could in that night and sent me home with um, a lot of good suggestions and some medications for the meantime. But shockingly, I mean, like every other ER visit I've had has gone terribly, but yeah, luckily... I was waiting. I was waiting for you to be like, and then I went there and they were horrible. I was not expecting. Oh yeah, it was actually pretty good. Luckily, I, I don't know what I would have done. I mean, I was just already at such a low point and so exhausted. And like, I just didn't, you know, when you can't eat and can't get that nutrition, like everything is just so much more tiring. So I, I would not have been able to advocate for myself very well in that situation. Well, I'm glad that I'm first of all, I'm glad that you went to urgent care and they like sent you to a hospital. And I'm glad that I'm so happy you had somebody listen to you because it's so rare. Every single time that I've gone and I've talked about my anxiety, I've talked about like my anxiety around relationships with with respect to poo and like, I've really tried to get to the get to the root of like, here's what I'm anxious about, and here's why it makes me poo. The doctors go, "Oh, you're all right. Take a pill. It'll be fine." It's like, no, you're not listening. There's anxiety behind that, and that's what I'm upset about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've had the same experience, but doctors don't seem to care as much when they think it's you know I'm doing air quotes, but just anxiety behind yeah. a, a GI disorder. They they view it as not super urgent and I've had plenty of doctors kind of look at my chart and say oh you're a young woman with anxiety it's psychosomatic you know go to therapy (laughs) you'll be fine and you're like cool could I have a therapist that works in goddess you sleep because like then sure otherwise no sure yeah and what am I supposed to do in the meantime like therapy is not an overnight fix you know and I have to live with these symptoms like daily and that's what I think you know going back to what are some things people don't understand it's not like a one-off thing for a lot of us it's everything like even as I'm doing this with you right now I'm happy and we're having a great time but if you were like Andrew is your gut hurting the answer would be yep totally hurts I don't like it like it doesn't feel good but I'm pushing through because I want to like Mm -hmm. it's it doesn't just go away no not at all even this is the most managed my gastroparesis has ever been Um, and I still wake up every single morning about five to 6am far earlier than I would like to be awake. And I go and have two, three, four rounds of diarrhea over the next hour or two. And that's how I start my day, my day. And that's just normal. It's been that way for years. Yeah. How does all of that, how does all this GI stuff impact your relationships with your, with, with your partner and then and then more broadly, like friendships and then intimacy and all that stuff. Yeah. So <laughs> I can't talk about how it's impacted my partner without telling you the story of how we first met. Okay, I'm ready. Yes. Um, so we met online. Uh, I was honestly like not interested in dating men at the time. I, I'm queer. I was just like had had some bad experiences with cis cishet men and was just like not interested <laughs> um so this was going to be a hookup and that was it um here we are a couple years later oh, cute. <laughs> um but I I invited him over to my apartment he came over we honestly we we kind of work in related fields so we talked like food ag policy for for a while it was great um I didn't but realize then, that food ag policy was like a turn-on it you know for the select few, <laughs> myself included. Um, yeah. And then I tried to transition it to the bedroom 
we start making out. It was getting real hot. And all of a sudden, I just knew that I was going to projectile vomit. Like, oh no, you just just know. (laughs) So I did manage to leap up. I ran, I made it into the bathroom, mostly to the toilet. Puke everywhere. Oh no. I was, I mean, just like, Mortified. So Im- more, yeah, so embarrassed. And like, there's a lot of internalized ableism. We can all work through that on our own. But like, I was just mortified in th- that moment. Um, I got myself all cleaned up. I brushed my teeth, went back, tried to like, you know, play it cool, be like, I'm totally good. My stomach's empty. Let's get back to where we are. <laughs> have you disclosed yet again. that you had you, you told them yet that you were that you were had gastroparesis? Or you didn't... So I didn't even know at that time. I wasn't oh, no, diagnosed until like... a year and a half into our relationship. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just like. So for the purposes of his, of the date for him and in his brain, you were just the cute girl that wants to make out who's now barfing. Uh-huh. Oh, yep. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we started making out again. And again, it just like all of a sudden comes on and run to the bathroom, puke some more. I truly, I like, I don't know where it all came from. <laughs> there oh, there no. was so much puke that night that happened. I think I blocked out how many times it happened a good handful of times until he eventually, and he had been, we had been smoking. Like um, he was, he was, I did not want him to be driving home or anything. And so I was like, you know what, let's just call it. You crash. I'm gonna crash. <laughs> you know, it's just not gonna happen. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh so he he does, he falls asleep. He is blissfully a very deep sleeper. Um, and I spent the rest of the night up and down to the bathroom and back, just in absolute agony. And he left the next morning. And later that day I called my mom and I said, I'm like, I'm really sick. I need you to come out here. And she ended up dropping everything she flew out and stayed with me for about 10 days and helped me get healthy I ended up like I was having a really really big bad flare um and I I told her kind of an abridged version of that story and we laughed and we were like oh my god I'm never gonna see him again like that's not going anywhere like yeah yeah stories he's telling right now the girl kissed me and then she made she and then she barked. What the fuck? That's what I always said. The girl kissed me and then she I'm ran to my friends too. Like you know, this poor guy. Like you know, he's never gonna hear from him again. Yeah. And he ended up texting, and we we got together. We had another date after that, but the story's not even over yet. I continued every time we would try and you know, be intimate, I would get really, really violently sick. And like, that wasn't the only time I was, you know, puking a lot those days. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if it was like, you know, the nerves of hooking up with someone new or the position we were, I don't know what it was, <laughs> but it took us like a month before we could have any sort of like sex apart from just like laying next to each other and masturbating <laughs> which is wonderful which is equally great of course which yeah, is yeah. equally great but not what i like not what i was going for in the moment yeah no, um, of course. yeah yeah so it again you know a silver lining it really i think it 
forced us to slow down and connect more as people and silver lining or stomach lining (laughs) or stomach lining yeah stomach lining (laughs) (laughs) so my next question was going to be can you share a funny moment around having gastrointestinal issues and that would be mine. I mean, you kind of did. You, you kind of went there already. Is there any I other did. like funny moments you can think of that are like only going to happen to you because you have gastroparesis? Oh goodness! I don't know about funny moments. Um, I mean, you had asked earlier about how my GI issues, my gastroparesis has impacted my relationships and friendships and things like that. And like, that's a hilarious story. And my partner is a wonderful, wonderful person. And obviously like saw through the puke to (laughs) to who I am on the inside. Well, Uh, (laughs) he he saw your insides coming out of you. That's so easy. He did. That's true. (laughs) He saw them so quickly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and man he has witnessed the the puking and barfing at the same time and he is still here and still loves me well I mean yeah. that's that's the keeper right there is what that is <laughs> but I mean it's not it's not all funny it feels really hard to you know like date before that you know before you're it, I mean it's goodness it feels hard to to be in a committed relationship with an able-bodied person as a disabled person sometimes but just like dating as a disabled person oh my god oh yeah that by itself is its own like its own wharf zone of horribleness by itself absolutely yeah and then, and then, and then, then just like sh- shitting and puking and it's like oh yeah right great sure right like not in anybody's rom-com first date <laughs> <laughs> But like just friendships too. I mean, like the amount of times I cancel on people because my, you know, I get really nauseous or my stomach flares all of a sudden. And it always like it comes out of nowhere. Oh yeah. You know, See, it's that's always inconveniently timed. That's what people don't understand. It's like it's like I can plan to the wire something. And then right when I'm ready to do it, my body's like, and now it's time to shit yourself. Or yep. now it's time to have cramping where you can't breathe. And now it's time to feel like I totally get the and I am the master for this, like the fact that we're recording and we picked a date and we're actually following through on the recording date right now is baffling to me. I don't even know how it's happening. Me too. <laughs> but like the fact that one of us didn't email the other and be like, so I think we're going to have to reschedule this for this day. It's like how? I don't know. But the number of times that I've had to be like, sorry, we can't record the podcast today. And people will be like, why? And I'm like, sorry, my God's the best. Like I'll be there at some point. Sorry. And you feel so much shame because like, as a professional, you're supposed to be where you are when you say you're going to be and how you like, and it's so hard to do that when your body says no. Absolutely. Yeah. They're able. People do not have the same relationship to their body. And, and it, I think it's hard for them to understand that like my body surprises me all the time. <laughs> and like never in a good way. It's never surprised. Like, Oh, I like this. No. It's like, Oh, right. Man. It's never like, Oh, I have a superpower. No. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, I'm gonna shit. Yeah. Like what is one thing about gastroparesis that you wish you didn't have that you do? Hmm. 
I think the one thing about gastroparesis that I would love to just say fuck off forever (laughs) is like the food restrictions. Honestly, I've learned to live with the symptoms, but the mental, the mental like gymnastics of planning meals and kind of doing that math like I call it disability math it really is doing the math of like what is this potentially going to do to my body and my plans and like my life for the next however long I think with my IBS what I'd like to get rid of is like some days the thing you're not supposed to eat you're fine and you're like oh cool I'm fine and so then you'll try it again two or three days later and you'll be like I was fine it was fine and then that second time you try your body will be like, oh, we're going to have a reaction. And I wish it would just, every single time, I wish it would just tell you that every single time I'm going to do the exact same thing so you know. The trouble with with tummy stuff and, like, gastro stuff is that you never know if it's going to be okay this time or not. There's so much comfort in consistency, and there's so little consistency with GI issues. <laughs> and it is just the most stressful. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've eaten something bad and been fine for a couple of days. And then three or four days later, I'll do the same thing. I remember one time in the summer, last summer, I love Starbucks Frappuccinos. I love them. They're, it's my, like, my thing. I love them. Like, I love the cream. I love the floofiness. I'm all for it. So I decided to have like a frap with a friend. And then a couple of days later, I was like, I really like that. I'm going to have another one. So I ordered it and came over and I had it. And I drank it really fast, which is probably where the problem came in. I drank it really fast. And I said goodbye to the caregiver that helped me. I said, thank you for getting me, for helping me with this. Bye. And then they left. And 20 minutes later, I was like, I can't breathe. I can't. I can barely say that I need your help. I need you to run up here right now and help me. Or I'm going to, like, I'm going to shit myself right now. Come and help me. And so they did. But they were like, what happened? We just saw you. You were fine. And I was like, I know. <laughs> I'm dying now. And, like, I think that unpredictability of like you don't know when a flare is happening I think that really impacts our just our joy it makes it really hard to have fun because you don't know yeah you're always on edge you're always kind of expecting that flare that pain that like intense uncertainty and then you know the shame of like for me and I talked about this before but the shame of like needing help the shame of needing someone to clean you up the shame of someone seeing you literally with shit in your pants and you being like nothing I can do like I wish that I had the ability to at least run to the bathroom and deal with my own shame by myself I when I do that someone has to be there with me and it's like really it's so stressful yeah yeah I I don't know what that is like but just this idea that if you are not if you're an adult that's like not fully in control of your body, then that somehow makes you like less of an adult. Oh yeah. and ridiculous. I feel that constantly. And that's something that since becoming chronically ill like this five years ago, that's something that I am still struggling with. Like I'm not okay knowing that because of this, people think I'm less than. Mm -hmm. And like, for me, it's hard to like, at least for you, you're not dating anymore. You have somebody that's like, 
your person right now, but to go on dates and have to explain to your dates, like, I think, like, I'm lucky in that I've never puked in a guy's mouth. But, like, I mean, but that fear of, like, having to explain or having them see you at your worst when you're trying to be sexy and you're trying to be suave and you're trying to be all these things. It's really, I can imagine for you, like, that first time with him was really, like, yes, you both got over it and yeah, you're together now. But I'm sure even now there's some shame in that moment together. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's, there's just, like, a level of vulnerability, forced vulnerability there that, I would not be that open on a first date, you know, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't choose to do that, but that's what happened. And that's, you know, that's what I have to roll with. Did you say to him after, were you like, what do you tell your friends? Did he tell you any stories like what he told people about the girl that was. I, I have, I've asked a couple of our now mutual (laughs) friends and (laughs) I've heard that they, they apparently got, you know, the gist of what happened, but he, he saved all of the juicy details, which I then filled in because I think it's kind of a hilarious story. (laughs) I mean, it is really hilarious. I mean, so if you, are you, are you, are you guys married now or no? We are not. No. If, you know, if you do get married. I mean, I'm picturing the most hilarious wedding gig. Like, I, I did so many, so many options. Like, could, can they make buttercream look like vomit? Is it possible? I don't know. You can. You can curdle it. Oh, my goodness. It'd be perfect. Somebody should work on that. If ever you go that route, <laughs> like, that's a great idea. Have you seen, I'm, I'm so about the, like, genital cupcakes and genital cakes that people are making now. But yeah. I think to, like bodily function cake you can do bodily like fluids cakes a poo cake a yeah. poo cupcake i'm here for it yes all those things i'm so here for it someone do that for us please oh my goodness yeah when you if if you start wedding planning like call me we'll figure it, we'll have a whole it sounds discussion. wonderful i'm ready for it so ready um so emma this is so fun i had so much fun t- chatting with you and i have one last question for you um what is the realest like deepest, darkest part about your gastrointestinal issue that you wish we could shine a light on today and that you want to share? Yeah. So I've been thinking about this and I get so angry when people who don't need to restrict their food do so. When people buy into diet culture, I'm just going to like say it like it is. When people when people or when people are brainwashed by diet culture, um, there is so much privilege and not having to think about your food in that way and not having to restrict your food that to choose to do so and perpetuate the harm that doing so does just makes me absolutely livid. I cannot stand for it. And my tolerance for it since, my diagnosis and like since really um kind of diving into what it means to be disabled and have a fucked up GI system like I just have no tolerance for it yeah and I totally don't blame you I think that with our gastro issues like the way we have to restrict our food because we don't will literally be in pain for days and weeks and months on end and to see especially young people today, even in 2022, 
the way dye culture is still so prevalent and still so like hip and cool and the way that we talk about dieting is so like trendy and it's like okay can we just can you just stop can we let people eat mm-hmm. what they want to eat if they're able to like if I was able to eat a cheesecake without dying or a piece of cheese without bowling over do not think that I would be at the store right now buying cheese like of course I would so revel in it yeah like eat whatever the fuck you want and don't worry about it because at least you can right and what's healthy for my body may not be healthy for your body may not be healthy for your mom's body like there is no one size fits all prescription and so why why are we then assigning so much morality and judgment to people's food choices yeah oh I just had a question about I had a question that I didn't write down that I want to ask you what are some ableist things people have said about your gastroparesis and about what happens to you that you wish they would stop fucking saying like even if they didn't realize they were saying it even if they just were like trying to make a joke or trying to be like polite but didn't realize it what do you wish they would not say anymore yeah Okay, this is a two-parter because part of it's addressed to the medical community and then part of it is addressed to the non-medical, the just like general population. I'd say to the medical community, the idea that it's just easy to completely change the way that you eat and the way that you engage with food is ridiculous and ableist. So ableist. to ask someone, not even ask, to tell someone and then assume that they will drastically change their eating, particularly, okay, particularly when there's like not a whole lot of evidence backing it up. I love how you're like, okay, I'm ready to go off on five times. Ready? Let's go. <laughs> how big is my, is my crate going to get? Uh, no, but it just, you know, okay, I had an appointment yesterday where the the doctor was asking why I hadn't cut all sugar out of my diet, you know, that, you know, at sugar leads to inflammation, all this stuff. And I just kind of looked at her and I said, I'm a professional baker. <laughs> like that, that's my source of joy. And also, yeah, sugar tastes fucking good. So I don't want to cut it right. If that's how my brain wants the dopamine, let me give it to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, yeah, so there's this idea that, that, that like we can just really change our lives at the drop of a hat, like given one doctor's advice or opinion, and that like we have the spoons to do that. Um, or the money, or the like, or the money, or the, capacity. the resources. I mean, right, like, any of it. Like sometimes disabled people don't have a lot of money, so they have to live on prepackaged food or really cheap resources because they don't, you know, like SSI in the States is a pittance. So like you, maybe you don't have the resources to change your diet completely and you can't. So I think doctors forget that. They forget like what the reality is and the food insecurity that a lot of disabled people go through. And so to just flippantly say, change your diet feels super ableist and unfair absolutely yeah yeah I mean when I was in grad school and going to food pantries they sure as hell didn't have you know non-dairy options they didn't have gluten-free options they didn't have 
options that that catered to my dietary restrictions at the time yeah um but yeah it's just there's there's a lot there um and i guess more more generally yeah i just want people to keep inviting me to things (laughs) like i want people (laughs) to understand that when i cancel last minute it's because of my bowels it is not because i have suddenly changed my mind or you know i've suddenly I hate you or something. Right, right. It has nothing. It's not at all like that. It's probably because I'm sitting on the toilet, shitting my brains out, <laughs> scrolling through Instagram, having FOMO. So please keep inviting me. Like, please know that it is not a reflection on you. You and I should start a shitstagram of like what we're actually <laughs> what we're doing on the toilet when we want to be at this thing, but we can't be at this thing. I do. I do my best memeing on on the toilet but it's not always where I want to be <laughs> yeah no of course not like oh my goodness I had so much fun with you today just just talking shit and talking like about how real the stuff is and thank you so much for being so vulnerable and being so like real about this stuff and this series like I recorded one this morning and the series is like my favorite it's almost more fun for me than the main episodes like this is so fun to finally talk about this stuff wow Thank you so much for having me on. And this is my first podcast interview, and I could not be more honored Your to first share my interview. first time with you. Well, I'm so I'm so glad that I got to learn about the person you met, your partner, you puked as my I'm so glad that like that's what you share with the world. Amazing. Um I did get his permission to tell that story. Well, tell him thank you because it's a great story. Uh Emma Hayes, I want to make sure that all the people listening to this episode of shit of this shit is real can get a hold of you and follow you and support you. How do they do that? You can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Emma Lump L U M P. I won't be explaining that nickname. That's a mystery. Is it like Lump <laughs> um, It's not. It should be. That's what I'm going to tell people from now on. But it it actually is much older than my GI problems. All right, all right. I support you. <laughs> um. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at right now. And uh, well, this is so fun. You're so awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and for um, just being so real about poo. And thank you for telling us how poo affects you on The Shit Is Real. And we, um, I want to have you back for something because it was just so fun to chat with you. Absolutely. I had a blast. Thank you again. It was such a pleasure. Emma Hayes, thank you for coming on The Shit Is Real and I will talk to you very soon. Bye. Bye. Copyright notice. Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, Please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2022.